You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to the Spotlight Series, an in-depth look at those making a difference in the arts and beyond. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and in this first season, I'll be putting the spotlight on a wonderful nonprofit organization called Only Make Believe. For more than 20 years, they have brought interactive theater into children's hospitals, special education schools, and care facilities with the goal of inspiring joy and imagination in those who have medically fragile conditions and developmental disabilities. So it's really the basics of theater that we all love, really stripped down to its essentials. So it's amazing to see, I think, how healing it is and how therapeutic it is and how joyous it is. For our sixth episode, we will hear from Joe DiPietro, who has known founder Dina Hammerstein for years and has been with Only Make Believe since its inception and currently serves on their board of directors. But Joe is certainly no stranger to the stage. Because apart from directing OMB's annual gala, he is best known as a playwright and lyricist with multiple awards and nominations, both on and off Broadway, including Memphis and Nice Work If You Can Get It. We will be talking about his first Broadway show, All Shook Up, but first we'll talk about why Only Make Believe has been so special to him for more than 23 years. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've bumped into each other here and there at various events, but it's nice to finally have you on the podcast. So thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. You have been writing musicals and and plays actually for quite a long time. What was it that got you that theater bug? Well, I grew up in Ordell, New Jersey, which is right across the George Washington Bridge. And so my folks, when I was growing up, would take us in to see Broadway shows. And the first show I ever saw was the original production of 1776 with William Daniels and like that cast. And I was very young, but even though I was young, I still like remember when the lights came up on the Continental Congress and that music started and I didn't know what I was doing, didn't know what I was watching. And I was just hooked. I was like, I need to, it was just that like euphoric moment of, I need to be a part of this. And I was just a kid. So um, I just became like a theater fan and my folks would take us to shows. And when I was old enough, I would go to shows and teachers, you know, any opportunity I had in school, I'd go see Broadway shows or local shows or off Broadway shows, whatever I could. And then I also started going to the library and uh, taking out plays and reading plays. And one reason was that because I, I loved it. And B was because I learned early on that you could like read Death of a Salesman and that counts as for a book report or you could read, you know, Tolstoy, like a 600 page novel and it's the same thing. So I'm like, (laughs) right. Plays are much shorter. (laughs) I can polish off Arthur Miller in a day. So I started reading a lot of plays and I and I read a lot of the 1970s um, theater was really on the cutting edge of of dangerous, edgy topics, you right. know, about gay plays and like there are plays like Equus and, and all sorts of really interesting 
topics that theater was covering that the rest of the media, I think, was slow to catch up. I think theater always is a little ahead of most other media in, in that respect. So it was a really exciting time. And that's literally how I started. I just, from loving it and reading it, never dreaming I would be a professional playwright, but it was taught to me in a way. I was exposed to it. So I'm always a big believer in exposing kids to all sorts of culture because you just never know what hits them. Well, that actually leads us into the first story that we're going to talk about, which is something that's very close to both of us, a nonprofit organization called Only Make Believe. And Mm -hmm. its mission is to bring in these kids to theater who are in these unfortunate circumstances, whether they're in hospitals or care facilities. And now you have been with OMB since its beginning in 1999, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Jamie Hammerstein, who was the youngest son of Oscar Hammerstein, happened to be my mentor in this business. And he produced my first two off-Broadway shows, which were I Love You, You're Perfect Now, Change, and a play called Over the River. And they're both very successful. And Jamie and I became friends. And he died very suddenly of a heart attack one night. And it was just devastating. And his wife, Dina Hammerstein, called me up a few months later. She said, you know, I've always been very interested in children's charities because she she had done a lot of work with GMHC, the Gay Men's Health Crisis and their family unit. And she goes, I had this wild idea to start this charity called Only Make Believe based on uh, Oscar's song from Showboat, the title, and sort of in tribute to Jamie. And she said, you know, why not bring the shows to the kids who are in hospitals? So I was like, that sounds fantastic. Sign me up. I'll help any way I can. And she had known a couple of friends from hospitals just on her other charities work with children's charities. So she invited, I don't know, there must have been six or seven of us to her living room and said, I have this idea. What do you think? How do we bring the excitement and joy and release of theater to these kids who were really born into really tough, tough circumstances Mm. and hospitals and, you know, all sorts of issues. And she sort of came up with the idea of of hiring professional troops of uh, three actors per troop. And the idea is you basically bring a backdrop in, bring a trunk full of crazy costumes for the actors and the kids, and you do these interactive shows that were original scripts that they would write that would involve the kids. So the idea of Only Make Believe is the star of the show are the kids. And with the simplest of backdrop, the goofiest of costumes, and just the sort of most fantastical of stories, like these kids were just entranced and it helped them escape and amazing things over the years happened um kids who were selectively mute would start speaking during the shows oh wow yeah no really amazing things kids who were being wheeled into their operation would, would sing the theme song that we wrote you know it, and it just sort of grew and grew and grew and i think the first year we maybe served 40 children you know, there are kids who um, have major mobility issues. There are kids who have um, psychological issues. There's all sorts of kids in theater. As we know, every audience is different. Well, in Only Make Believe, every audience is really different. <laughs> right. And one specific thing about OMB is that it's very interactive. It's not them yes. on a stage. It's them interacting as much as they can with the children and bringing them into the story because they wear costumes just as much as the, the actors yeah. themselves wear it. Yeah. And one of the things about uh, Only Make Believe is we, from the, the get-go, we bring these trunks of costumes. We do uh, call them uh, cycles, six-week cycles of these, we call them workshops, of these shows they do with the kids. And then they leave the costumes for the kids. And sometimes they make up their own shows and their own kind of things. So yeah, no, it's very interactive and they sing and they dance and 
they play characters and they tell the good guy to watch out for the bad guy who's, you know, standing <laughs> right. behind the curtain and not to get them. Yeah, no. So it's really the basics of theater that we all love really stripped down to its essential. So it's amazing to see, I think, how healing it is and how therapeutic it is and how joyous it is. Because also one thing about Only Make Believe, we, as Dino would always say, which is so true, we have no political or religious affiliation. Every child is welcome. Uh, we never charge the, the it's all self-supported. We never charge families for this. It's all free of charge. And sometimes like the families watch, you know, because when you have a child in a hospital, you know, you have other, you have other siblings. So sometimes whole, you know, families will be enjoying these shows. So it's really, I think, expanded to beyond what we thought its possibility was, which was just, oh, this will be a fun, nice thing, an hour a, a week for kids. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. It certainly takes a special kind of actor to be a part of these performances. As you said, you're, you're seeing children who are disabled or bedridden and interacting with them in a theatrical way. So how does OMB find these actors? We audition. We do an audition process like any theatrical show. We literally audition. And many have stayed for many years with us. Some, some have moved up into administrative positions in the office. So, uh, yeah, so it's really a whole uh, array, but essentially I think they post, you know, an audition notice and people come in. Now, what has been your role on the board itself and how does the board further the work of OMB? Well, the board, uh, you know, basically serves as like any board of a charity organization. We serve as guidance, uh, but probably our biggest responsibility is raising money to keep it going because it is, uh, it's a very lean organization. The money, if you give money to our charity, it goes directly to the kids. We have a small, lean office staff. Our overhead is very little. It's just like transportation to and from these things. And as I said, the costumes are free. And, you know, the co every, we have a lot of people uh, helping us out in terms of charity things. So even though we're a lean and mean organization, we still have to raise money. It's self, as you said, it's self-finance. So every year we raise money. So my biggest job on the board is being in charge of the gala. Every year we do a Broadway gala. It started uh, years ago as an off-Broadway gala when we first started and we held it in the West Side Theater, which were, where my show, I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change, was in the midst of a nice, nice long run. And we basically get our super talented theater friends to come and sing or dance or perform for us. And each year that gala has grown and grown and grown. 
to an amazing thing. And we have a, another gala coming up uh, this November. That's my personal main job. I direct it. Um, Brad Oscar has always been very helpful. Uh, a lot of other people too. Yeah. And, and one of your co-writers, David Bryan, who you've worked with on a few shows, has also come and performed and sung songs himself. Oh, yeah. David's been great. Absolutely. And I wrote that we do have the only make-believe theme song, which I wrote with Jimmy Roberts, which is with who I wrote, I Love Your Perfect Now Change. Which, right. Yeah. So we, you know, we did that. And he wrote a song that's very call and response that kids can sing. That's very repetitive because we have all sorts of audiences. So repetition is generally good for our audiences. And it's really sort of this fun clap along song. One of my favorite parts of attending the gala are when you bring up some of the kids that you've been able to perform for and how are kids like that chosen? Obviously, being on a stage like that is much different than being in the shows in yes. the care <laughs> facilities. Well, our actors and our office staff get to know the kids. I mean, uh, and some, as I said, are there, unfortunately, for like extended periods of time. It's not just a, ho a short hospital, say some are there for years, literally. So the kids get to know the actors and the actors get to know the kids. So when we're putting together the gala, first thing, obviously, we have to approach the family and say, is this something you'd be interested in doing? But basically, we sort of like try to pick the kid who we think really would like react well to, you know, because you're on stage. So it's lights and sound and applause and, you know, people running around backstage. So you need someone who you think is going to enjoy that. So I just you try to pick a personality like, like on stage where you just feel like is going to really respond well to this theatrical event and being the star, you know, as we say, the star of the show and, you know, and they just sort of get the time of their life and they're always fantastic. We've never had a, a, a young man or woman who was anything but like exuberant on stage. Well, I would say that the performers that you get on stage as well have also been so exuberant and people that have loved OMB as well, but, you know, besides just wanting to help with the gala. Yeah. I mean, we've had over the years, I mean, people have been very, very generous for us. We're very generous with our time. Jennifer Hudson sang one year for us. Right, right. You've had some big stars as well as people hosting it, like this year's John Oliver and, and other people, Jude Law. You've had quite a list of performers. McKellen hosts, Surrey and McKellen right. hosted, who was brilliant. <laughs> now, one of those is your Memphis star, Montico Glover, oh my God. who has been to several galas. Uh -huh. What was it like the first time you heard her sing? You must have known this girl is something. Yeah, well, Montego auditioned for my show Memphis for the first production of it, which was at uh, North Shore Music Theater, God, a while ago. And she was, you know, we were all younger and she walked in and we were like, who is this? And, you know, she was unbelievable. And we cast her and then we never looked back. I mean, we had, I think, four out of town productions. That show had uh, starts and fits like many shows. And um, not only did she sort of grow into the role, but I think what happens when you have an actor like that, you start writing the role for them. You get to know them. You, you see them on stage. You know their what their strengths are, you know. And Montego also, uh, I believe it's from Chattanooga, Tennessee. So she grew up right near Memphis. So she was my Southern uh, research. <laughs> Your <laughs> consultant, like, right. <laughs> Montego, so how would you say this line? Uh, and she was sometimes like, no, you know, I, can I, he would say this instead of this. I'm like, thank you. So she was great. Yeah, no, she performed our show on Broadway for three years. I mean, she was just fantastic. And what I always tell young actors is I wish you could study Montego's 
work ethic because she is my definition of a total pro, which is the highest compliment I can give anyone is she comes to rehearsal prepared. She comes inquisitive. She comes with smart questions. She's willing to try anything. She's a total leader. She's part of the group, but she's also knows if she's a star that she's sort of the leader of the pack. So right. she was just, she's just a joy to work with. And I hope I, uh, I think I will work with her again, uh, sooner than later. But yeah. And so she's always come out to only make believe. And she, uh, you know, she's a favorite, like, uh, you know, people in the audience who are, you know, we got a lot of, um, besides theater people come to see the, these great performers, you get a lot of business people coming and they're like, Oh, I got to go another charity thing. What's the, you know, grouching, grouching, grouching. And then they're like, oh my God, this was like, this was a Broadway show. And you have people like Montego. You're like, who is that? You know, you know, she's fantastic. So we basically, we try to invite Montego every year without um, us taking advantage of our relationship with her. <laughs> yes. But she always comes out. Well, you've had quite a few people from your shows. And, and another one is from your very first Broadway show, All Shook Up, Cheyenne Jackson, who starred in that. But but from what I understand, he was originally the understudy. He he wasn't the star yet. Yeah, that was uh, All Shook Up. And that was in the two, early 2000s. And we were casting it. We were going to Chicago for a tryout, but it was already set to come into New York. And Cheyenne came in, must have been in his 20s then, and I think he had done a couple of understudy roles. I don't think he had ever originated a role on Broadway, if memory serves. And he came in for the understudy and he started singing and performing. We were like, oh my God, fantastic. So took the understudy and we had cast someone else for that lead role. And we kept hearing, oh, you know, the deal with this actor isn't done yet. But we were like, and he had won a Tony Award. It was sort of a big deal. And we were like, oh, I'm sure, you know, you hear that all the time. Like, you never worry. And then literally one week before we're supposed to start rehearsals in Chicago, we get a call. Chris Ashley, the director, gets a call from our producer saying, hey, so how good is the understudy to playing Chad, this, you know, the Cheyenne guy? <laughs> and then Chris like, oh, well, he was great. He auditioned, you know, like, wh why are you asking? Because, well, do you think he could handle the role? And it was like, he was like, what? The producers and the other actor had a parting of ways. Very unusual. Very, you know, that late, especially, right? And so Chris calls up to the uh, agents and say, so can Cheyenne come back tomorrow to audition? Because we lost our leading actor for the role itself. Uh, you know, I found out later from Shen, which I assumed he was like, wait, what, 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 what's happening? What's happening? So he spent <laughs> two days relearning all this material. And then he came in and re-auditioned for us. And he, you know, that voice is unbelievable. He certainly fit the tab uh, of the charisma thing. And we were like, well, you know, he's never done this before, you know, originated a role, which is very different than understudying, but he could be great and <laughs> no choice right now to get someone more experience. So let's let's hand it to him. And all credit to Cheyenne, who was also just super, super pleasure to work with. He did exactly what I always tell actors to do when they ask me for advice. When you get an opportunity is be ready for it. Like he, I don't know if he took voice lessons or not, but I know he hired an acting coach. He got in super good shape. He did everything you want someone to do who's going to be a leading man on Broadway like that. And he had, you know, you literally had a week to start working. I mean, it was a re right. ridiculous, you know, her mom, the understudy, I, I'll, I'll copy the lead and, you know, and I'll go on and I'll be fine. And he really just like upped his game. And he, uh, you know, I saw, I saw him transform himself into a star in a very short period of time. So uh, all credit to him. And then he, you know, helped us out with only make believe one year too. So yeah, no, he was, he, it was a great just example of, you know, you have to be prepared. You have to get out there. And when opportunity comes, 
You got to know where it is and you got to really grab it. And he really did. While nonprofits like Only Make Believe certainly focus their efforts on making a difference in the lives of others, they also have to focus on raising money to continuously fund their noble efforts. The OMB Gala is just one part of that fundraising. So to learn more about how you can help, check out onlymakebelieve.org. That is our Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.